Hello, everybody, and welcome to 30 Minute Thrive, your go-to podcast for anything and everything HR, powered by MRA, the Management Association. Looking to stay on top of the ever-changing world of HR? MRA has got you covered. We'll be the first to tell you what's hot and what's not. I'm your host, Sophie Voller, and we are so glad you're here. Now it's time to thrive. All right. Well, welcome to this episode of 30 Minute Thrive. I'm excited to go over this month's talent report with Jim Morgan, our Vice President of Workforce Strategies, as we kind of go into what he's been seeing in the world of business in July. So thanks again, Jim, for joining us per usual. My pleasure. It's good to be here. So this month, it looks like you're kind of focusing on roundtables, the importance of networking. Why did you choose this topic for July? Well, you know, it's interesting as everybody's trying to figure out how to get more done in less time and figure out how to make the best use of their time. You know, one of the things and not just making a sales pitch for our roundtables, but I think one of the things that people find the most valuable is when you find that peer group of people that share the same issues that you share and face the same problems each day that you face, that becomes a pretty strong group of people to to really, you know, be able to call on and do things with and with all this time spent on staff development and learning and development and things, there's nothing like a group of 10 or 12 people who are living the same life you are to just be able to sit down and say, what would you do in this situation? And have half of them say, oh, I've been in that situation. Here's what I would do. And so we just, um, we thought one, that would be good just as, you know, so people remember take advantage of those opportunities. In fact, we surveyed everyone on how many networking groups they were in and like over 50% of the group were in at least two. So that was that was pretty good. And I think later on, we can talk a little bit about what we shared too, because our roundtables, our peer groups, you know, our C-suite people, their senior HR people, their HR managers. And we shared a lot of data with people on, here's what everybody's talking about. So that was a real advantage for the talent report. And I'll share some of that with you later too. So that was the that was the reason for the focus is, you know, really just to get people to take some time and find that really good group of people that they can sit down and talk to on a regular basis to, you know, sort of help them with the day-to-day stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was cool to see what topics are top of mind right now in roundtables and um, what our roundtables are kind of discussing. And we'll get into yeah. that. But let's kind of talk about what's happening in the recruiting and retention world right now. So, Jim, what's new here? You know, it's what's new is old or what's old is new. <laughs> uh, I think the internships continue to be really the best recruiting strategy that people are finding now for the simple fact that you're you're getting people that are close to working age within a year, you know, two at the most of being ready to come work for you. Um, you get a chance to kick the tires and, you know, do they fit with your culture? Do you fit with what they're looking for? So it's just been a a really, um, I think people are just more and more realizing if we can give these young adults a really good experience at our place, we have a leg up in being the ones that they want to go work for. And even though a lot of the talent has eased a little bit, um, there's still some really tough people to find. And uh, the internships have really been an opportunity to, to, to go find them. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of moving into talent thinking section, you talked about low cost employee perks and activities that employers are kind of implementing nowadays. So can you expand on some of the ideas and points you have listed in this category? Yeah, and I'll I'll, I'll go with the interns for a second and move into yeah. those because I think it applies too. you know, that what we're seeing with the the interns is in terms of the retention part of it. 
it really gives, if you've got some emerging leaders and you're looking for some opportunities to help them grow, they can be a mentor, you know, to these interns. And so that's another um, advantage of what they're, they're getting out of all of this. Um, you're seeing companies now put people through a rotation where they might get to see two or three or four different jobs while they're there um, to really help them figure out what is it they want to do. And again, I think for both the company and the individual, that's just a jump start on, I thought this is what I wanted wanted to do, but now that I see what it is, I'm not quite sure that's what I want to do. You know, I think that that really benefits um, everybody. And I think they're, you know, they're putting them to work a little bit with putting together programs at the end and really demonstrating, here's what we learned, you know, and so these are the things I went through. This is my end of the summer, end of nine months presentation that says, this is what I worked on. This is what I did. Prove a little bit of the ROI. Why did we have these folks here and what were they up to? So that, um, all of that, I think, you know, feeds into the talent part of it too. And, you know, the talent thinking this time was really kind of a focus on keeping people happy. So, you know, that's one group where it's like, okay, we're trying to keep this group happy because we might want to hire them soon. Um, but the the keeping people happy, it was interesting to see, okay, retention is now the big deal. And most of that has to do with what's the level of engagement and how happy are our employees working for us. And so we, you know, just started collecting, all right, you know, what are people doing? What are they up to? Um, and they kind of came, fell into a couple of categories. I would say, you know, the personal well-being that when you're doing something for the individual, whether that's, you know, we're offering them a gym membership or we're doing the massage chairs or, you know, it's something about, okay, I feel better now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most of us are, you know, self-driven by those types of things like, okay, this would, this would actually be good for me. This would be great, you know, so I'm going to go do it. So I think you're seeing companies try to figure out what is it that some of our people may want and how do we offer that to them? I think the second big one was, you know, what are the services that people need that they may not know where to go and get? And some of that might be financial planning assistance. It might be, I want to do a will. Where do I get, you know, legal services? I might need some counseling. Where do I go to that for that? And a lot of companies have that in their employee assistance programs, but you know, people may not know it. And these are all, you know, difficult things in life that if people are having trouble with their finances or having, you know, trouble trying to figure out some of these things, they bring that to work too. And so this is, I guess, also a personal well-being thing, but it's like, you know, what are the services that people are looking for, may not know where to go to get them, or they might be incredibly expensive or scary. And if the company can help them find that lawyer or that legal assistance or that financial assistance, um, that just makes their life a little bit easier. It makes them a little bit um, happier. And then rewards was another. And, you know, rewards, we think of, oh, signing bonuses and referral bonuses, and that's all great. But just the, some of it is just the thank yous. It's the, you know, here's the cup of coffee. Let's go do this. Let's, I'll take you to lunch. Here's a gift card. Here's, you know, some gas money, whatever it might be to just, you know, constantly be trying to think about what are the things that are going to mean something to people. And it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. It might be just recognizing the fact that, you know, you went above and beyond on this and whether it's you just, you take the, the time to say thank you, or you acknowledge that to their supervisor or, you know, bring them something and put it on their desk and say, thank you. Um, that seems to be another one where, again, companies are trying to be more purposeful in, in trying to do that. 
And then I'd say the last one was just food. <laughs> and no matter who you're talking to, you'll always say, well, you know, if we bring a food truck around or if we have ice cream sandwiches or if we have a pizza day or, you know, any of those things, it's just a, an opportunity. And we'll talk about this later, too. But it's a chance for everybody just to get together, to talk with each other, maybe across departments, um, across plants, and they just get to know each other. Um, and it just makes people feel good. So I think, you know, yeah. those were all the things that we sort of saw on the, you know, if our people are happy, we're happy. So oh, yeah. how do we go about doing that? Some of my, I can say some of my best conversations at work happen when we're eating the leftover pizza that's sitting out in the cafe. So yeah, it, I would definitely agree on that food aspect. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's amazing because we're all in this routine that, you know, I meet with my department here and then I meet with this department there and then I go back and I do my work. And there may be a couple of departments that I have no reason to interact with for any reason whatsoever, but then you just bump into them and, you know, you sort of force the conversation. And then you've got a couple more people around the office that, oh, I share this in common with them. So okay. um, just trying to make it uh, a more enjoyable place to be. Oh, yeah, I love that. Well, from your from the field section, um, you've got a 2010 to 2020 overall population change chart. So what can you really see in this chart and why is this included? Yeah, you know, these are the hard ones on the podcast to say, OK, look, I'm going to throw a thousand numbers at you and just try to keep track of it. Um, but I think there were two things that we were trying to share. You know, one, the first one was, as you mentioned, the overall population change, and I was using our five states, Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota, Ohio, and Wisconsin. And over the last 10 years, Minnesota actually grew by about 7.5%, which was close to the national average. And so they were sort of holding their own. But Iowa was under 5%, Wisconsin was 3.5%, Ohio was a little over 2 and Illinois was just barely negative. And the point of that one was just to say, we're not growing in the upper Midwest at a rate that's going to keep up with who we need. And then went on to dig a little bit deeper to say, okay, if I take that same 10-year period and I'm looking at 2010 to 2020, let's look at the younger folks because that's going to give us a pretty good idea of what's going to be coming. So if I look at the under five population, so, you know, this is 15 years from now before it'll affect the workplace, but you've got numbers like minus 15% in Illinois, minus 10 in Wisconsin, minus seven in Ohio, minus six in Iowa, minus four in Minnesota. All of them are negative, meaning they're shrinking in that category. And so as people are starting to plan for the future, um, they got to start thinking about these things. And even in the 5 to 17 category, Illinois, Ohio, and Wisconsin are negative, and Iowa and Minnesota are positive, but not at a number that's going to keep up with what's going on. So there's there's this real, yeah, it's long-term, and you know, how much time do I want to be spending thinking about this type of thing? But you know, it's going to be a big deal, and we're going to have to uh, you know, track it and, and see what's going to happen. So the aging thing was part of it. And then on the other end of the aging part is the percentage of growth in the people over the age of 65. And all five of our states are in the 30 and 40% um, in Minnesota and Wisconsin. So 40% growth in the people over the age of 65, while you're saying we have negative some number in the under five. So that's not good. And people are going to have to start you know, thinking about that. So that was the first point that we were trying to make from the Census Bureau data. 
And then the second one is just the incredible change in ethnicity that's going to be happening in our five states. And again, um, if you look at the population over the age of 65, other than Illinois, in Iowa, Minnesota, and Wisconsin, the, the, the index for that, and the index is really just, if I randomly grab two people in Wisconsin, what are the chances that they will be of two different ethnic backgrounds? For that over 65 group, all of our states are in like the 15 to 18% range, meaning there's an 80% chance that you're probably going to grab two people that are Caucasian that you know came from somewhere in Europe. So that's what's moving out 65 to 84. But then when you start looking at the under five, everybody is at at least 50%. So we're moving from 16% to 50%, meaning now there's a 50-50 chance that if you grab two people, one will probably still be white, but one's going to be something else. So that's a pretty big change to go from 15% to 60%. And I think you know this is now gonna be the next couple of generations that are gonna flip this whole thing, but you're gonna see very different um, upper Midwest states over the course of the next 15 to 20 years because the ethnicity, ethnicity of everyone is gonna change dramatically. So as we're just trying to help companies with their long-term thinking, um, you know, one is we got a whole group of people that are getting older. What are you going to do about that? And then you're going to have a whole group of people that are not going to be quite as homogeneous as they have been in the past. And so how are you going to simulate them? How are you going to help them with whatever their cultural issues are? How are you going to prepare your communities and your company for that? So um, nothing's going to get easier, I think, as, as we go forward. It's just going to get a little bit more complicated. Yeah. Well, I know we can't see the chart that you explained, but you did a heck of a job explaining, <laughs> giving us the main points. So I feel like I can see the chart right here. <laughs> well, we're getting we're getting old and we're getting more diverse. So there, there's the chart for you in a nutshell. So how about in terms of C-suite level? What, what are some top of mind topics going on here? Well, we heard a lot about in the last month through the, the roundtables and just um, from meetings with members is, there's a real focus right now on what's the financial acumen of the people that are running our lines of businesses, running our facilities. And I think, you know, historically, it's always been, well, the accountants and the CFO will take care of the financial stuff, and I'm just going to be out here doing my job. And now, as, as things have gotten more um, technical, as they've gotten more, you know, modernized, there are a lot of tools that are available to every single line of business leader and plant manager. And from a, a CEO's point of view, I think there's now this question of, are we getting as much as we can out of that? And so are they taking responsibility for their own line of business and the decisions that they're making and what that financial impact might be? So rather than just having the CFO come back and say, hey, you're up or you're down and what happened, they should know the answer before the CFO does. They should know where they're at. And so they're spending time providing learning and development opportunities for sort of the accounting for the non-accountants, helping them understand, you know, what does it mean when I, you know, amortize things over a certain period of time, or how is a capital expense different than a regular expense, so that they better understand the decisions they're making and what the impact of that is going to be. And then all of us have more tools available to us. You know, we have Salesforce at, at um, MRA. It can do all kinds of things in terms of, you know, what's the incoming business look like? What's the last month look like? Can we compare year to year, month to month, last three months, all that kind of stuff. 
but not a lot of people are always using it. And so how do we get them to better understand it and then take advantage of these tools that we've invested in so that they know when I make this decision, it's going to have this sort of impact on the bottom line of my line of business. So the whole financial thing, I think, is really becoming um, uh, an added responsibility for those who have some income and expense related uh, responsibilities. Oh, yeah. In um, Emory's intern leadership program, actually, we do a finance for the non-financial leader topic there. And the feedback on that one was it was actually some of the interns favorite topic, which is very interesting. And some were even like, I'm a marketing major, but now I kind of want to move over to finance. So (laughs) (laughs) they know just they know just enough to be dangerous now. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, but you think of all of those people that are going into their first job. And, you know, if they were in marketing or if they were in human resources or they're in communications, the odds of them having had an accounting class, uh, you know, of any kind other than maybe a general, you know, checkbook writing, not anymore, debit card using, um, you know, class in high school, that's probably about it. And so to be able to go in and even understand financial statements probably puts Mm -hmm. them, you know, well ahead of of an awful lot of people. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, there's also been a lot of talk and takeover of AI and that's only going to continue to grow. So any creative strategies here or how are companies using AI? Yeah, you know, I think AI and the chat GPT and all that sort of snuck up on everybody. And all of a sudden, it you know, really hit the news in about November. And then all of a sudden, everyone had, you know, access to it. And, you know, a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. So I think what what companies are trying to do now is, is have training opportunities for their people to bring in folks who know something about it to say, you know, here are the goods and here's of the, but here are the bads and here's how you can use this and here's what you might want to be careful of. And so we're starting to see that type of training. So people understand, you know, yes, you can go into chat GPT and you can ask a question and it'll give you information back. And the information that comes back is as good as the information that it's searching in. So you can't just put the question and get the answer and send it out to a thousand of your clients saying, hey, look at this. You still got to add that human element that says, you know, let's look into this. And companies that are a little nervous that if people are putting a lot of information in there, when they're asking their question, are they putting in some company information so that their question is a little more detailed, but now that information is being fed in. And so that's sort of out there now. And so that causes them to have some caution. So I think people are trying to figure out on that, how do we use it to maybe, yeah, it's a great starting point to say, I'm trying to put together this presentation on X and I ask some questions and it gives me some resources. Fantastic. It saved me all kinds of time. And now I can start digging into things. But if I think I can just say, hey, write me a speech and give it back to me and I'm going to go out and give it, um, you know, that might be asking a little bit too much. So I think right now people are really sort of finding their way. Most companies have a couple of people that are out there like trying it and sharing their knowledge with other people. But I think the companies themselves, the employers are really just trying to, you know, where, you know, do we put a stop to this? Do we figure out how to use it in our best interest? Should we be going crazy with it? They're trying to find where they fit in all of that. Um, And everybody's scrambling pretty quickly because I think it came up on them. You know, we all knew it was coming but all of a sudden it just came. (laughs) So how about any other HR creativity? Anything else you're seeing in this category? Um, The two other ones that came up this month, one was just on team building. And this kind of goes back to the the food comment that we, you know, had a little bit ago. And that is, 
you know, how do we create opportunities for people to interact? And food does that. You know, I mean, people come in and whoever you're next to in line as you're walking through, you have a conversation with. So things like that, um, trying to come up with maybe, you know, cross-functional team activities where you come up with a problem to be solved and you grab two groups of people that maybe don't have to work together and let's put them together and they get a chance to, to you know, to meet some other people. Um, especially with a lot of the remote workers, how do we do some fun things online? You know, how do you do a treasure hunt online or how do you have prices online? Or does it start with, let's all share a recipe, just things to get people to interact a little bit and make it a little bit more um, personal. And so you're seeing all kinds of, you know, companies are, there's always walking groups at lunch and there's, you know, book clubs. And now there's some that go out and get e-bikes at lunchtime and take a ride, you know, but they're all, they're trying to encourage people to, you know, go find different opportunities to meet with maybe some different people and, you know, build some teamwork um, that way. And then the other one is still the mental health thing. And, you know, how do you help employees get through everything they're going through? And one of the interesting ideas we got from one of our members was they have what they've called mental health champions. And these are folks that, you know, have been trained by the HR department in the offerings that they have. They're not mental health experts. They're not counseling people, but they know what is our EAP offer? What do we have to offer within the company? Who are people that you can call to get further assistance? And they share information, you know, at the start of a staff meeting or a department meeting and say, hey, just a reminder, I'm one of our mental health champions and we have these available to you. If anybody's needing any help, don't be afraid to, you know, to reach out. So they're, they're just trying to keep it, I think, top of mind for people so that they don't forget we have these resources if you need them. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. So like we mentioned, Kimberly Emery's roundtable manager also made an appearance on this month's talent report webinar. She gave a lot of great information on top topics and concerns for HR professionals, C-suite executives and more. So could you give us a little bit of an overview on some of this information, starting out with the senior HR top 10 topics for 2020? This is sort of a, this is almost like the, uh, the data, like, all right, keep track of these. Here come the 10, yeah. so run them down, you know, yep. in my best uh, David Letterman top 10, I'll try to lay them out there for people. Um, yeah. So this was interesting because we did a couple of things, you know, one is we started with, okay, what's of interest and we have, you know, 80, 90 round tables, 1200 people in them. And, you know, so we're always trying to figure out what's on people's minds. And so, from the senior HR people, the, the top 10 were, first of all, was trends in HR, and that makes sense. They're just trying to make sure they're staying up on what's going on. Culture was number two, and how do you build it, and how do you you know make sure that you're creating a place that people want to be a part of? Uh, leadership was three. I think some of this is the emerging leaders. This is the a lot of people retiring and people moving up um, behind them, and how do we make sure that they're um, prepared? The business climate and the impact on staffing after everybody came through 2022, you know, and it was just higher, 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 higher. Are we still there? What do we need to do? HR leadership and what's their role? You know, how do they be at the table when the strategic planning is taking place and things like that? Related to the leadership, number six was emerging leaders and high potentials. How do we take those best people that we've got and keep them engaged and make sure that they want to continue to work with us? Communicating wages and benefits, 
Um, again, after 2022 and everybody, you know, money was going here, there and everywhere else. And now it's like, okay, we can't do that forever. And now, you know, we don't, if we've got this expectation of, hey, I'm going to get 10%, this is going to be great. You know, that's not sustainable. And so how do we communicate that information related to that? Number eight was benefit trends. What are companies doing? What are they changing? What might they be offering that they think is going to get people more engaged with what they're doing? Um, number nine was strategic planning and business planning. And number 10 was workforce planning and talent management shortage. So for the HR people, there's probably nothing there that's surprising. They're all huge. Um, and that's sort of why you have a, an HR um, field of people that are kind of stressed out right now, I think. <laughs> How about some topics that are on top of mind of just executives in general right now? Yeah, on the executive side of things, um, the top five were strategic planning, engagement and retention, HR compliance, performance management, and recruiting and hiring. So that was interesting in that if we compared the top five, this is just from this year now, benefits, recruiting and hiring, strategic planning, engagement and retention, organizational development for the minds of the professionals. There's not a whole lot of difference between the two, a little bit different use of words, maybe a little bit different level on some things, um, but the strategic planning shows up on both, the recruiting and hiring shines shows up on both, the engagement and retention shows up on both. So um, they're on the same page, I think, as they try to, to go forward. Yeah, and then you also explained, or Kimberly explained, um, and compared 2018 to 2023 with these topics. So can you compare some of the executive and senior HR discussions from? Yeah, this this was almost uh, comical when you think about it. I, you know, we were just looking at 2018, which would have been just before the pandemic, and then what people were looking for this year. And I think the, the C-suite ones were the most interesting. And I think back, because I have a couple of CEO and CFO roundtables of, you know, what we were talking about in 2018 and the top three were finding talent and looking at the non-traditional workforce. And that one, that's kind of the same. It's changed a little bit and it's had a little bit of panic put into it with the pandemic, but that was the same. But then the next two from 2018, one was the experience economy, appealing to consumers. And you probably, you were still in college at that point, I think, but there was this big push in 2018 that everything was going to be about an experience, that your product had to be about an experience. It had to like just engulf people like they weren't going to forget it. Companies were starting to look at giving away experiences as bonuses, like here's a thousand dollars, go on a vacation to, you know, some exotic island, but everything was about experience. And I just, as I look at that now, that was 2018 and within a year or so, we were locked down for two years, you know, so all that talk of an experienced economy, and then we all go into our homes and don't come out for two years. I don't think I've heard the words experienced economy ever since, you know, so that one just sort of left. And we've been having all of these discussions because prior to the pandemic, things have sort of been chugging along. And, you know, we had the, the Great Recession in 2007, 2008, but we had 10 years of, hey, things are going pretty well here. And we were having discussions at the sea level around what's going to be the next biggest disruptor. And if anybody had pandemic on their bingo card, I would give them, you know, they win the prize for predicting that one. 
But, you know, we were talking about all kinds of things, but none of them had absolutely anything to do with the pandemic. So we go from that five years ago to now planning for growth with economic uncertainty, um, you know, which is the exact opposite of where we were five years ago, and learning from the unexpected and the impact on future planning. That five-year period changed the way everybody thinks about everything. You know, no one's doing strategic plans now five years out, some even three years out. They're doing it one or two years, and they're reviewing them every quarter because the world is just changing so much, and there's so much at play. So it was just an interesting exercise for everyone to look at what were you talking about just five years ago, and mm -hmm. where are those things now? They've uh, they've sort of all disappeared. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I was going to say, so, it was interesting to see the difference between the two, definitely. Yeah. So that was, that was actually kind of fun. And we had some people, you know, on the chat checking in yeah. and saying, wow, that's something. Yeah. And then from the HR point of view, five years ago, it was active shooters, you know, and everyone was being trained in that. And it was also the Me Too movement. And, you know, again, those two years that followed that, you know, not that the I mean the shootings have certainly continued, and that continues to be a big issue. Um, the Me Too movement is still there, but when you think those things were like all encompassing until the pandemic hit, and then it was, you know, wow, we're in a different world now, and everything was focused on that. Mm -hmm. It does feel like a different world to those people now. Wow. Yeah. Well, as we kind of wrap up here, I've always got to ask you: Can you give us a sneak peek on August Talent Report in the top? <laughs> I can. We're going to be looking at um, diversity, equity, and inclusion um, next month, and we're going to be um, finding some best practices from companies. You know, finding companies that maybe you know, how did you start it? How did you get to where you are right now? And and even some of those that are very advanced, um, how are they measuring it? How do they know that it's you know something that they really want to be doing? And that'll probably lead into a little bit of discussion on all of the ESG things where companies are having to look at their environmental, social, and governments. Uh, governance responsibilities. So I think it'll be sort of interesting because that's driving a lot of things in HR right now that that ESG where it's what is our corporate social responsibility policy? What are we doing about that? How are we proving it? So I think we should have some some pretty interesting information for you next month too. Well, awesome. Thanks. I'm looking forward to that. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Um, shared a lot of fascinating information. So I would encourage our listeners to comment the most interesting or valuable piece of information you learned today or any current trends or topics that you've been seeing in the HR world currently. Don't forget to share this episode. Consider joining MRA if you aren't a member already. We have all the resources you need in the show notes below, including the resources to Talent Report Plus. Otherwise, thank you for tuning in today and we will see you next week. And that wraps up our content for this episode. Be sure to reference the show notes where you can sign up to connect for more podcast updates. Check out other MRA episodes on your favorite podcast platform. And as always, make sure to follow MRA's 30-Minute Thrive so you don't miss out. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next Wednesday to carry on the HR conversation.